2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is only veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Good morning. morning. You guys hear me okay? Yeah? Am I good? Let's try it again. Good morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Corey Johnston, and I was Trailhead's church planting resident for about a year and a half. And um, so I was here, we served here, my wife and I, we loved being here. And then we raised up a team while we were here um, in a similar fashion, but we stayed local. And we, they launched us out March 15th to plant or to start a church in Collinsville, Illinois, just right down the road from here. So very close. I love this place. God changed my life through the ministry of Trailhead Church, he very much so took a college burnout and turned him to a church planter by his grace and and to his glory. And so to be here is an honor. Um, I love this place. I love that we're sending out the most unreached generation, um, 18 to 35 years old, to go be on mission for the gospel. There's no no greater vision that God has for his church than, than that. So so I'm honored to be here. I'm excited to share with you um, about what it means to, to be a missionary. Today we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians to see what Paul has for us. Um, coming in here, though, even as a missionary, I also recognize that some of you are not Christians. It would be irresponsible of me to come in and assume everyone is a Christian. And so I just want to say for you, um, that, that, or to you, that I'm, I'm preaching primarily to Christians about what it means to be a missionary. But I want you to feel valued. I want you to feel accepted. I want you to know that Trailhead Church was planted for you so that you might come to faith in Christ. We're a very missional-minded church, missionally-minded church. And so what I hope for you to gain, for those that aren't in Christ, that don't profess the same truths as us, is I want you to just want, for the first time, maybe just know what a missionary is, as I'm defining that today. And two, I really hope that you see, as well as Christians see, that being a missionary isn't at all about the individual that's sharing the gospel. It's about the gospel being proclaimed to the people. All we are is just empty vessels that carry this treasure forward. And so let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. God, we love you. We give you all the praise and and all the glory. God, it's so humbling just to see you move in the hearts of people and lead them to foreign countries. God, to lead them to invest their lives in other people. God, we love that you invite us into your kingdom. We love that you want to write a better story for our lives than we could ever imagine writing. And so, God, we pray that that your word would would ring true today in our hearts and our minds. God, we thank you for your servant, Paul. Um, Especially thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to walk in our place. We pray all this in his name. Amen. And so we meet on Sunday nights. And so just forewarning, I'm going to say tonight a lot instead of today. And so... um, I know what time it is, right? I get it's a.m., not p.m. So if you guys could just bear with me, I'll probably chuckle whenever I do it, but I'm not going to correct myself um, every single time because I know that 
it's going to happen. So I want to start off the sermon with a, a bit of just some statistics for you. And so what we know, <clears throat> according to the International Mission Board, is that there are 3,100 unengaged people groups. So if you were a people group, and you were a people group, and you were a people group, that means you all would not know who Jesus is. And then there's 3,000 more of you, some groups smaller, some groups um, bigger. And that equates to be 2.1 billion people in the world that are completely unengaged from the gospel. They have no idea who Jesus is. In the world. And so if you look up this statistic, my hope in my intro today is to show you that that is an infinitesimally small number in comparison to the missionaries that Jesus has at his disposal. 3,100 unengaged people groups is nothing. There's no reason that that should exist. So everything I'm going to say is not on this slide, but I want to give you a bit of a visual. There are 305 million people in the world that confess Christianity, right? 305 million people. That means that there are 98,000 Christians for every single people group that exists in the world. 98,000, almost 100,000 Christians that could go be on mission to people that don't know who Jesus is. There are 4.6 million, listen, with an M, 4.6 million congregations like Trailhead just like us that exist in the world, which means that there are 1,483 whole entire congregations, do you hear me, that could go to these people groups that exist throughout the world, all 3,000 of them. There are 44,000 denominations, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, First Baptist, First, Second Baptist, right? There's whatever they are, they just go down the line, Right? 44,000 whole entire denominations, which means there's 14 then denominations that could go to every single people group. There are 4,900, almost 5,000 nonprofit organizations dedicated to sending out missionaries. Almost 5,000 nonprofit. It's all they do is send out missionaries. That means there are 1.6 whole entire nonprofit organizations to go to every single people group around the world, all 3,100 of them. If every single student, for you college students, if, all, if, if just 10% of the students, they went to the Passion Conference, the Urbana Conference, and the Crew Conferences last year, if 10% of those students would go be on mission, there would be three missionaries for every single people group, and that's just 10%. So this number, 2.1 billion, is nothing if we would just go be on mission. That's what we're called to do. And so how does God then choose to make, keep his name famous? How does God choose to have the gospel spread throughout the world? It's by you. <laughs> He's chosen you to go, to go to the ends of the earth, to go to your next door neighbor, to go into your community and to share the gospel. As Christians, that is our DNA. We are missionaries. It's not an option, right? It's being a missionary is not just who we are. It's what we do. It's what we've been called to do in the gospel, to go make disciples. So a missionary then is someone who has been sent, someone who's been sh- sent to share the gospel with the intentions to persuade that Jesus is absolutely better. And so some of you think, well, who am I to share this gospel I mean, Corey, wouldn't it be simple-minded? Wouldn't it be arrogant of me to go out to people I don't know and say that, that Jesus is the only way to 
eternal life? Wouldn't that just be arrogant and simple-minded of me? To which I must reply, yeah, it would be. It would be arrogant and it would be simple-minded unless such a message were true. And it absolutely is. And so tonight, today, <laughs> there it is. So today we see that, that Paul is, is opened up. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And Paul doesn't just come out and define for us what it means to be a missionary, but Paul describes to us what it means to be a missionary. And so what he says right in the beginning is that we, what we're going to see is that he says we don't lose heart. Right? Even in the midst of staring and standing in the midst of 3,100 different people groups, 2.1 billion people, Paul says we don't lose heart heart. Because it's, it's, God, it's God's very gift to us. It's by God's mercy that we get to share such a message. It's a gift to us to share this message because it brings him glory. And so the big idea for the text today as we have up is that possession of faith leads to proclamation of faith. Like it's just what we do as Christians, as missionaries. We cannot possess faith and not proclaim it. It just doesn't equate in our minds. And so Paul, He's coming out with three different things that I want to show you today in 2 Corinthians. I kind of got ahead of myself. Let's start with the first one. Gospel ministry is a gift of mercy. And so chapter 4 starts off with the word therefore, which means we have to look and see what it's there for, right? And so chapter 3, the chapter comes right before chapter 4, Paul has been talking about Moses. And he's, he's referring to the Old Testament. And Moses would go into what's called the tent of meeting. And Moses would interact with God. And God would command Moses. And then Moses would then go out and command the people. And whenever Moses would leave the tent of meeting, his face would shine like the sun. Right? Like he had LEDs on. Right? Like he was out spelunking. He was, his face would just shine like the sun to the people. But Moses was, was fearful of what the people would think. Because it made the people fearful of what was going on in the tent of meeting. And Moses would put a veil over his face and he would actually hide the glory of God. He would actually hide the very mercy that God had given him to show and to reveal to the people. He hid it from them. And so with that in mind, with that understanding, Paul starts off, he says, Therefore, right, having this ministry, this ministry that brings life, this ministry that brings hope, right, by the very mercy of God, we've been given this ministry and... We don't lose heart, right? We will not hide what God has given us. Paul recognizes from the beginning of the passage that Paul brings nothing to the table, right? It's only by God's grace to God's mercy that Paul, has, that Paul gets to be a light to the world, that Paul's own veil has been removed from his eyes and removed from his heart, and he's been accepted by Christ. The veil for Paul was moving from a spoken word, right? Paul's on a journey to go kill Christians, on a journey to go kill Christians, and it's by God's spoken word. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? The gospel is always a spoken word given to someone. And Paul is converted from Saul to Paul, right? The veil is removed. And he says, it's by God's mercy that we get this message. It's by God's mercy that we get to have faith in him. Why would I veil this? Why would I cover this like Moses? I want everyone to know that I've been called to be a light to the world. Like, let's go be on mission is what Paul's saying as the most phenomenal missionary in the text, next to Jesus Christ, of course. Right? And so Paul says it's, it's a gift. This gift, this gospel ministry is a gift. It's something we get to share to people, share with people, not something that we absolutely have to do. It's, it's something that we get to do. We get to share this, which leads to the second bit of what Paul's saying. That being a missionary demands, then, 
unqualified integrity. I love this part of what Paul is talking about. Let me give you an illustration. When I was preparing this sermon, I was talking with one of the gals that goes to Heights Church. And she was just telling me, whenever I was raised, Corey, you know, I was taught that we would just go out and share the gospel and it would be like rainbows and butterflies and puppy dogs and, and people would just flock to Jesus and, and it would be great and, and it would be easy. And she's like, and then I went to college <laughs> and, and I realized that wasn't the case. And I graduated and then I got my master's and I became a professor and, and she works in sociology and, and she learned that, that sharing the gospel is absolutely appalling to some of the people that she works with. It's absolutely appalling. They hate the idea of the gospel. And she was beating herself up, saying, what am I doing wrong? What can I do different? You know, maybe I need to, to word things differently. And, and I'm trying to re- reiterate to them, no, like they have a, a veil over their face. You, you never change the gospel. Like the gospel changes people. And so I get what she's saying. If you've ever built a relationship with someone, right, and you, you've sought to share the gospel, you, you understand what that's like. Like even here, <laughs> I come in here sometimes or in Heights to, to preach and I look out and in my mind, it's like you guys are in army bunkers, like helmets on, Kevlar, Kevlar vest. It's like you just scream battle formation when I walked in the room. And I feel like God gave me a straw and a piece of paper and it's like shooting spit wads at you guys. Just, you know, that's what I feel like. It, it feels like it, does, it, it, it doesn't feel as if it doesn't return void. Just up here, just giving it. And it's like you guys are just, you know, ready to go to war. But sometimes, <laughs> the spirit drops a grenade in our lap instead, doesn't he? Just a big old fatty gospel grenade, and we just pull the pin and smile. And just let the spirit splash, you know, on the people. And so I know, I get what that's like, but Paul says we... we We never shrink the gospel. We never cave. We never shrink the truth. We never end the fight, is what Paul says. We stick to our guns. In verse 2, he says, We renounce disgraceful or underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's words. He's saying, We have unqualified integrity. When we're standing amidst 3,100 different groups of individuals that don't believe the gospel, we never shrink back. Right? We, we hold the gospel as our foundation. We push forward. And there's this idea in the, the Greek rendition here is actually, Paul is actually saying when he says we've renounced, it actually is, but we were too weak is what he says. But we were too weak to practice cunning. We were too weak to, to shrink the gospel. Hope you see that Paul's pen is dripping in sarcasm. Think about Paul for just a moment. If you don't know who he is, I'll tell you. Paul's been put in prison countless times as a missionary, flogged an uncounted number of times. He received 39 lashes from the Jews three different times, five different times, because 40 lashes would kill a man. He could only get hit 39 times with the cat of nine tails. He's beaten with rods three times, stoned once, shipwrecked three different times, constantly weary of pain, without sleep, without hunger, thirsty, cold, naked, Continually concerned about the, the health of the church as, the, as an apostle. Shipwrecked, lost at sea, and, and, Paul, bitten by a snake. You'd think by the time the snake bite came, he would just be like, are you serious now? <laughs> Everything else and a snake bite? But the reality is people didn't know what to do with Paul as a missionary, did they? They're like, put him in jail. He converts the guards, sings hymns with him, and an angel breaks him out, Right? 
put him on house arrest. He converts the guards and then baptizes the whole family. They have no idea what to do with this guy. They're like, kill him. To die is gain. Keep him alive. To live is Christ. Like, there's just, there's nothing to do with him. Kick him out. He already snuck out in a basket. Like, you, you can't do anything with Paul, right? Paul's pen dripping with sarcasm. He's been through the trenches. He's a phenomenal missionary. His aim was to go and preach and teach Christ, right? When he gets to the kingdom, he's not going to say, God, look at, look at what I did. I wrote half the New Testament, 75% of it. I planted all these churches, and, and I brought all these people to faith. No, he's going to say, Jesus, thank you for the gift that you gave me, the mercy you showed me. Thank you for revealing, taking the veil off my eyes so I could share your message with the people. It's a gift of mercy that, he, that God gives us to share the gospel. It's by his mercy. And so it's up to us then to keep the integrity of the message and also keep our integrity as Christian missionaries. Absolutely. Continuing in verse 2, right, we renounce disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would command, commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So he's saying we stand confidently on God's word. We stand confidently on God's promises, and we stand confidently on the truth of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. There is no need to fluff up the most powerful, life-giving message. It cannot be improved upon, is what Paul is saying. Right? And people still won't believe, is what he's going to tell us in a second. If you remember with me in John eight forty five, Jesus says, because I tell you the truth, right? because I tell you the truth, you do not believe. The veil is still going to be over people's eyes. And so what we learn then is that people confessing faith in Christ is not up to us. It's not about us or the missionary or the individual sharing the gospel. It's all about Jesus, right? Let us never become too weak to share the gospel confidently. Right? Let us never sacrifice the integrity of the gospel or the integrity of ourselves. Right? Let's never lose the message. Keep reading with me, verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God, little g, God of this world, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And so just as Moses hid the glory of the Lord from the people, Paul's telling us that there is a, a little g God or an adversary or the enemy, or you could say Satan of this world or his helpers in this world, and they, they actually seek to deceive the people spiritually. One of their greatest powers is to deceive and blind people from seeing and receiving spiritual truths. Right? And Paul affirms that this is the case when unbelievers reject the gospel, that it's not a personal blow to me. It's not that I got it wrong. It's just that there, there's a war that is taking place up here and down below. Right? Paul is saying that there is a God in the heavens right here with us that sent his son so that we might proclaim this message. And there's a little g God down here that wants to veil people's eyes. And then there's his missionaries in the middle preaching Christ. That's what we're called to do as Christians, to fight against this adversary. Not to say, oh, I messed it up, or oh, I must have, I must have presented that poorly. It's, just, it's the same message all the time. It's by spoken word, but it's to God's glory that people come to faith in Christ. We never cave. We never shrink the truth. We have unqualified integrity, even when we feel like we're shooting spitwads. Right? Let's be mindful that in the most biblical, gospel-centered way, metaphorically, God has given us grenades, right? 
just to be clear. I want people to hear the podcast thing. What's this guy <laughs> talking about with the grenades? A little radical in here. Um, which leads to the second, third point that Paul makes to us. That's that the gospel displays the glory of Christ. Right? The gospel, not the missionary, displays the glory of Christ. And so people don't reject us because we're not out preaching us, right? People reject Jesus, unfortunately. But it's not a blow to our character or to our self-esteem. Paul's trying to tell us, essentially, get over yourself, right? Stop fearing man. Stop fearing rejection and be moved by the truths of the gospel to go out and share the gospel with people, Receive the gift of mercy. Have some integrity. Do what is right, even in the midst of 3,100 different people groups of varying sizes all throughout the world. We're the vessels that get to hold this treasure together. We, why do we preach Christ? Right? Because it brings glory to God. Every single time we share the message, it brings him glory. Right? Kind of cheesy. Every time we share his story, he gets the glory. Cheesy, but it works, and you'll remember it. Right? Every time we share his story, he gets the glory. Verse 5, he says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, for it's God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness. He's shown in the hearts to give the light of the knowledge of glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul being wordy as usual. But what he says is, right, for, it's, it's, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but it's Jesus Right? We, don't, we don't proclaim ourselves. We, pro- we proclaim the majesty and the wonder and the zeal of who Christ is in our lives. Right? We don't draw attention to ourselves or our own clever, elegant speech is what Paul would say. We don't lord our authority over other people. We don't kind of try to trick them into believing the gospel. Say so we're preaching Jesus Christ as Lord over their lives and calling them to believe that. Right? The, the gospel always focuses on Christ's honor, not on the person that is sharing the message. And so Paul insisted, instead of exalting themselves in their preaching, that he and others were, became servants for Jesus' sake. And just think about everything we said that Paul endured. Was he not a servant for the sake of the gospel? Everything that I talked about earlier. Right? Servants don't have swag. They're not celebrities. They're servants, and they're called to serve the Lord. And Paul had sacrificed much for the Corinthians, right, all the way down to a snake bite. But he humbled himself as an apostle, as a church father, as someone who's called to plant churches that plant churches and make disciples that makes disciples. Paul had all the authority over the churches, and what does he do? He humbles himself to be a servant for Jesus' sake so that Jesus alone would be honored in his place. So when we honor Christ, right, we get to share the gospel. We create an opportunity for light to break into someone's heart. We create an opportunity to move someone from, from death to light. That's where Paul is using this language from that we just read, right? And so Jesus spoke of himself as light to the world. He taught that, that his followers were also light to the world. In the New Testament, he talks about life in Christ as walking in the light, so the illumination of the, of the hearts is what we're looking for for individuals when we share the gospel with them, right? Christianity is not just about a change of mind. It's about a change of morals as well. It's about a change of heart, right? And so from our perspective then, as Christians, why do we share the gospel? Because in doing so, it's literally an act of recreation in someone's life. 
We get to bring them into the lightness from the darkness. Just a beautiful display of what God does through them, not what we get to do. And so then what is this gospel message that we talk so much about? I feel it only necessary (laughs) to share that message from here. Right? Page one in your Bible says that God created the world and everything in it. Page two says God created humans to walk with him in perfect harmony, perfect balance, or the word there is shalom. He put them in perfect relationship with him. Page three then says humanity created cosmic treason against that creator, rebelled against that creator, broke that perfect relationship that was given to them. And what does God do? Does he leave them in isolation? No, he goes after them. He goes out into the garden, sent out after them. Why are you hiding from me? What are you doing? He embraces them as a father. He presents the gospel for the first time, right? I'm going to send a redeemer. I'm going to send a rescuer. His name will be Jesus, and he will be the perfect missionary in all of our places. Absolutely, right? A perfect missionary who will surrender his kingdom to blanket himself in humanity, to blanket himself in the very rebellion that took place on page three. That's who we're called to serve. So we could die the most horrific death in our place and rise to new life in our place, showing his rule, his reign, his authority as Savior over everything in the created order. Right? Jesus covers us with perfection and covers himself with our rebellion that took place on page three. And now he intercedes for us. If I can have a favorite part of the gospel, it's this part. Right? It's, it's where Christ, where God the Father no longer sees us and our brokenness and our rebellion, but when he looks at us, he sees the perfect picture of Jesus Christ in our place. He, when, when God wants to, wants to engage us because of our sin, Jesus says, no, don't look at them, look at me. Don't look at them and their brokenness, look at me. Don't look at them trying to measure up and meet your expectations and be all religious, checking their boxes. Look at me perfectly upholding your expectations in their place. That's what Christ came to do. And even though we struggle in the midst of this fallen world with sin and depravity and brokenness, he promises a glorious day of return to make all things back to how it was on page one, whenever he created everything. That's the message we get to share. It's not about me saying it. Literally, as the words come out of my mouth, he's, Jesus is rightly exalted on his place, in his place in heaven, to his glory and to my joy. It is an honor to get to share that message. As I came across a quote this week, it said, Some men may preach the gospel better than I, but no man may preach a better gospel. It cannot be improved upon. It is always unequivocally good news. And so what does this mean for us as a church, as the church? Why strive to be on mission? Why strive to be missionaries? Again, so that the world, globally, might experience the glory of God. Why share the gospel as missionaries, so that 3,100 unengaged people groups can turn from their sin and rebellion and worship rightfully the Lord that deserves all worship in his name is Jesus Christ. Because in Africa, there's 3,000 animalistic tribes following animalistic religions. And I'll tell you right now, like squirrels and pigeons don't deserve their worship. There's one guy that does, and his name is Jesus. Because in Japan and Vietnam, there are 30 million Buddhists following Buddha and his rules and his religions, and Buddha does not deserve their worship. Jesus alone deserves their worship. Because in India and Palestine and Bangladesh, there are 950 million Hindus following more gods than we can imagine. And none of those gods deserve their worship. There's only God alone that deserves his worship, and his name is Jesus Christ. 
Because in China and Cuba and North Korea, there are one billion atheists worshiping atheistic philosophies and idols, and they do not deserve their worship. God alone, Jesus does. Because where these guys are going in Central Asia, the Middle East, North Africa, and Southeast Asia, there are 1.5 billion Muslims paying pilgrimage to Mecca, praying five times a day, and Mecca does not deserve their worship. Jesus alone deserves, there's deserves, there's worship, sorry. Because right here in America, there are 100 million non-believers. And here in the Metro East where we live, there are 560,000 people, half a million people that say they don't believe in Jesus. Four out of five people we interact with here say they don't believe in Jesus. And they're worshiping things like materialism and sex and relationships instead of worshiping the one true God. His name is Jesus Christ, the firstborn son of all creation. Amen? We'll try it again. Amen? Just making sure you guys are with me. And God has chosen you as missionaries, as Christians, to go and to share that message with the people, right? Possession of faith leads, it, it craves proclamation of faith. And so there's no such thing as a privatized faith, faith in a resurrected Christ, in my opinion. Privatized faith says that, um, that, that Christianity is for me. It's good for me. It's good for my family. It's good for my own moral values. It, it, it helps me out. But who am I to go and tell the world that, that, that Jesus is the only way? That Jesus is the truth and the life and, and the way? Corey, wouldn't that be arrogant? Wouldn't that be irresponsible of me and prideful? To which I would say, yeah, absolutely. It would absolutely be arrogant and offensive and prideful unless such a message were what? True. Absolutely. And so, how do we respond to this? I was thinking through application, and I literally had 700 different things I wanted to share. And so I gave you three instead. Um, just try to keep it super practical for you. First bit. Is it all up there? No? Can you guys throw up that? Thank you so much. <clears throat> One, don't veil the gospel. So Moses, Paul mentioned Moses from the Old Testament and talked about Moses hid the glory of the Lord, hid the very mercy, the gift that had been given to him. Don't veil the gospel. Don't do that. Don't hide it, right? Most times I'm feeling like, I have notes here, but I'm just going to get away from them. I feel like most times whenever we don't feel um, like we should share the gospel, it's because we have a bad understanding of the gospel and what we've actually been saved from. And so it's not a blow against anyone. That's just the truth, I think, of the situation. So here's my, my application, right? Seek discipleship. We have great community groups here at Trailhead. We have fight clubs here at, uh, at Trailhead. We have some of the strongest leaders I've ever met here in this church. This is a mission-sending church, a healthy church plant that plants healthy churches that makes disciples that make disciples. If you have a, a poor understanding of the gospel, it might just be because you've never been discipled. So seek discipleship. So you can be excited about the gospel. So you can be excited about what, it, what your relationship looks like with Christ. You might just not know any better. But don't, don't veil the gospel because we don't know any better. Seek discipleship. Do a little self-evaluation. Back to my notes. Right? Do you, ask these questions. If you're a note taker, this is your time to shine. Do you understand the gift that you've been given? Just ask yourself these questions. Do you understand the gift that you've been given? Do you delight in the mercy God has given you? Do you delight in your relationship with God? Last question I, w- I would have you write down is, do you seek to see Christ exalted daily? Like, do you seek to worship God on a daily basis? If not, if you can't answer yes confidently to those, you need to seek discipleship. 
get plugged into a small group, get plugged in with a fight club, sit down with one of the leaders. Second piece of application, I would say have integrity. Like own your identity in Christ. Own your, what's called your union with Christ. You, in a spiritual sense, as a Christian, get to share in everything that Christ did. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his faithfulness to the Father, his love for the Father, his love for other people. Even when we're not faithful, we share in his faithfulness because Jesus is always faithful to the Father. Even when we don't love people, we share in God's love because he always loves people. Even when we don't want to be in mission, we share in God's mission because Jesus was a perfect missionary and we share in his life. And so even by default, when we don't want to do it, we're sharing in him. We're sharing in his life. Right? Understand your identity in Christ. Have integrity. Know that the creator, the Lord of the universe has invited you in a relationship with him so that you could go and share that relationship with other people. Right? This message has the power to change people, not you. Right? Have integrity. Don't share the message. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, wrong bro. Don't shrink the message. Share the message. Right? And have integrity. Have confidence in your relationship with Christ. Know that some people will be veiled. Sometimes sharing the gospel, man, it's like throwing a ping pong ball off a statue. It just bounces every single time. That's not your fault. Sometimes sharing the gospel is like throwing seed into the richest of soils. And you get to see the hearts that people open up. You get to see lives being changed. Believe the message. Share the message. Last bit, last one. Very practical for those of you that aren't going to go overseas, which is predominantly most of you. Um... First off, we've all been called as Christians to be a missionary. As I said earlier, being missional isn't just what we do. It's not out of legalism. It's not an obligation. Being missional is just who we are. It's our DNA. It's, just, it's in our body as Christians. So you need to find a third place is what we talk about at Heights Church a lot. So two places you hang out and probably work, um, work in school or at home. Or home and then work in school for this context of this church. Where's a third place that you can go? Where's a third place that your community group can go instead of just staying in a house? Where's a third place your discipleship can grow, go and grow instead of just staying in a house? Like what's a restaurant you can go to? What's a coffee shop? 222 Bakery. Phenomenal. I, I love the leadership here. I miss the coffee more than I miss the leadership at Trailhead Church. <laughs> just being honest, right? Where's a place you can go? Like a third place that you can go. On campus, you can study in your dorm or you can study out in the quad. Right? Where's a third place you can regularly put yourself, insert yourself, and then just have gospel conversations. Get to know people, build relationships, invite them into community, and then aim to share the gospel. It doesn't always come immediately. Sometimes it takes months and years to get to a place where you can share the gospel with someone. But where can you go to just spend time with people, interact with people, and tip well when you do it? Because you know Christians have a bad reputation for not tipping well. And so, you know, small sacrifice, lay down some extra money. Seriously, it speaks leaps and bounds to your heart. Right? Think, identify a third place. And so that's it. That's what I got for you from missionaries. So I'm going to throw up some, some questions for you to spend some time to reflect on. I'm pretty sure you all still do that. And uh, I just want you to sit and think through the things we're talking about. As a Christian, I want you to think, and I want you to be challenged with the big idea that possession of faith leads to proclamation of faith. There's no, there's no such thing as a privatized Christianity, a privatized faith, and a resurrected Christ because we serve a God of mission. It's in a God that propels us out on the mission. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. God, we, we, want to, 
we want to worship you above other things, but if we confess, we must confess, God, we have idols in our lives that, that take us um, by surprise, God. It's, sometimes it's our pride, sometimes it's our arrogance, sometimes it's, it's just an idol of comfort where we don't want to share your message because we're fearful of what people think. That's because we don't realize our identity is in you, our acceptance, our value is unconditionally and eternally set in you as our God. So God, I pray for those again that are going to, to Asia. God, I pray for those in this room that are for the first time here and they need to go do something with their faith. God, I pray that you would empower them with your spirit, your strength, and your wisdom and keep them ever reminded that it's not about their work and performance, but Jesus has already done it in their place. It's finished, is what he said. So we pray all this in your name through the gift and power of the spirit. Amen.